Welcome to session two of our evangelism course with Pastor Jim. Or oh, it's not evangelism, it's believers ministry or the work of the believer. So we're all we're all evangelists, it's not just for special people. So I've been excited about this course and we're gonna hand over to Pastor Jim uh, to teach us tonight. So thank you, Pastor Jim. Thank you, Pastor Jules. Well, it's a thrill to be with you and to have an opportunity to continue our uh, training here. Uh, as uh, Pastor Jules says, we're training believers, but we are training them to go out and do evangelism. But uh, this is not training evangelists. So I want to just uh, remind you of five things last week that we said that we are doing in this course. Number one is that we are preparing believers for the next move of God. And uh, I firmly believe that the next move of God, if we're going to see a multitude of people coming into the kingdom of God, it's going to have to be empowering and releasing the greatest resource that God has sitting in church every Sunday, and that is the believers. And uh, so that's what we're doing. And then number two, the second point is that we're saying the saints of God are going to go and do the works of the ministry. And number three, we're going to be looking at that you are anointed to be able to do this work. You are empowered. And number five, I love this because this is the most important one. You are a life giver. So last week in our lesson, again, we, we pointed out that the fivefold ministry, part of their purpose is to equip and to train the saints of God to do the work of the ministry. And so in today's lesson, lesson number two, uh, we've entitled this God's Passion for People. And we're going to be looking really at what is our motivation. You know, sometimes we need a motivation, a, a reason for doing something. And uh, we're going to find out here that God has a passion for people. And uh, over in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, and uh, we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. That's 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. It says this, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So we see here uh, at the very beginning of our lesson, the heart of God is for all people to come and know him and uh, what he has done for all of us through Jesus going to the cross of Calvary. So God's passion above everything else. And, and I think it's important because sometimes uh, we can get sidetracked and think God has a passion uh, for us to prosper or for us to walk in divine health or to have all our needs met. And yes, all those have been given to us through the finished work that Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. But God's passion, his number one passion, as a matter of fact, his only passion is that men and women all over the world be restored back to him. In other words, they come into salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's God's passion. You know, years ago, uh, you know, God spoke to me one day and said, come up, come up and see what the Father can see. 
And uh, at the time I was sort of going through a few things and, and uh, I wasn't that sure I wanted to find out what God wanted to show me. But as I came up in the realm of the Spirit and, and I came up into the presence of God, what I saw on the heart of the Father is that he had a passion for souls. He was consumed with one thing and that is souls that were going to a Christless eternity. And uh, that, that vision uh, really impacted me uh, many years ago because, you know, we can get pretty well sidetracked with all the things that are happening in the world and, and we miss what really is on the heart of the Father. And John 3.16 is, is another verse of scripture that, that gives us God's motivation. John 3.16, and you're all familiar with this verse, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting uh, life. And so what motivates God? Well, God is motivated by love. You know, God looks out at the world and he loves the world. He loves everybody in this world. And he sent Jesus to the cross for one purpose, and that is to pay the price for sin for every man, woman, uh, on planet Earth. And what motivated him? It was love for mankind. And you know, one of the things that as I uh, look at this uh, lesson that we're doing today, what is going to motivate you and what is going to motivate me to reach out to people in our world? And it really has to be motivated by God's love for people. You know, as uh, many of you know that uh, are listening to me today, you know, we get to travel all over the world. Uh, last year I had 12 nations lined up, didn't get to one of them. And uh, this year, you know, it's been really interesting. We have more invites since lockdown to other countries, including places in Australia, than we had before lockdown. And uh, yet I'm a homebody. I, I love staying at home. I mean, I'm sort of partly enjoying staying home, and, uh, but the time will come when I will travel. And someone says, well, you must just love travelling. No, I don't particularly like travelling. But what motivates me is that love for people is motivating me to go to the nations and jump on another aeroplane, go to another foreign country, eat all sorts of interesting food. So what is going to motivate us to reach out to people in our world. It has to be the love of God that's in us that motivates God. Now, over in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, now here's another powerful verse because it said, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God saw the world in its sin. And he demonstrated his love towards us. And God is still doing that today. And so while we acknowledge that God uh, loves us, you know, we probably haven't really grasped the extent of God's love for people in your world that are not saved. And, and we can see that really in John chapter 17 and verse 23. And uh, this, I'm reading this one out of the 
New Living Translation, John chapter 17, verse 23. It said that the world will know that you sent me, that you love them as much as you love me. Now, I want you to see here today that God loves the world, those that are trapped in sin. He loves them as much as he loves Jesus. You know, you've probably got people in your world and uh, they're real bad sinners. And uh, you might think, how, how could God love them? Well, see, God does love the sinner as much as he loves Jesus. And God is motivated by his passion and love for people to, to want about to reach them because he's not willing that any should perish and go to a Christless eternity. And, and uh, we see here that God created every man and woman on planet Earth. God sees the value in them that most of us don't even see in ourselves. And, and sometimes we look at people in our world and we don't even see value in them. But God created every man and every woman on planet Earth and he created them for a destiny and a purpose. And so he sees the value in them, the treasure that he's hidden in every person and the beauty within everyone. And what God wants to do is he wants to bring them into his kingdom so they don't spend eternity in hell and that he can use them for his purposes. Now, now what I want to do is I want us to turn to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to look at some passages of scripture here because now Jesus is going to start giving us some insight into the heart of the Father and, and we need to have this same passion and the same heart for the lost that are in our world. Luke chapter 15, and we're just going to start here at verse 1 and read to verse 7. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that one which is lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So here's Jesus, and, and, and he's sitting with the scribes and the Pharisees, and, and uh, they're wondering, you know, what, 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 you, you seem to go after Jesus. You hang around with, with sinners. And so Jesus is describing here that God will do everything he can just to win one person. And, uh, and so he said, and he uses this example of a shepherd. You know, he's got 100 sheep, but one of them go astray. And he will leave those 99 just to go for that one. And I want to encourage us today that we need to, there are people in your world, we're going to look at this later on in this lesson, there are people in your world that are not saved and you don't want them to go to a Christless eternity. And we're going to be looking at how we're going to reach those people. Yes, thank God for the people that are coming to church every Sunday already in the kingdom. 
And God's saying, yes, I'm so happy about them, but there are those that are not, and I'll do everything I can to get that one that's gone astray and get him into the kingdom. And when he gets into the kingdom, listen, we throw a party. You know, we get excited. Somebody got saved. And it tells us here that all heaven rejoice when one person gets saved. You know, one of the things that uh, I've had to do as I've travelled around to different nations and even in Australia is when I tell people that someone's got saved, I've had to teach them how to celebrate that salvation. You know, it's interesting when we're in church, you know, and suddenly we'll have a testimony. And, and someone will give a testimony of how, you know, they got promoted at work and, and uh, their income increased and God gave them favour when it looked like it wouldn't work and suddenly all the church claps and gets excited. I know we were in our church once when that happened and... Uh, and uh, the fellow giving this testimony had a way of really engaging people. And people were clapping and, and, and laughing. And then somebody got up and gave a testimony how they got someone saved. And everyone just sat there. And I had to hold Jan down. She wanted to jump to her feet and, and, and say, what is wrong with you people? See, folks, we get more excited about something that God says is already yours when somebody gets... And we need to... It's great. To, I love celebrating somebody who gets blessed. But folks, what really makes heaven rejoice and shout? There's nowhere in the Bible that it says that heaven will rejoice when you get a promotion at work. No, no, because God expects you to. He's given you favour. It's part of your covenant right. But when someone gets saved, listen, all heaven rejoices. And what we want to do, this is, this is part of my heart, and I believe it'll be your heart too, we want to make heaven a very noisy place. And the only way we can make heaven a noisy place, the only thing that causes all heaven to rejoice, it tells us here when one sinner repents and, and when the 99 don't need to repent, they're already there. And so we need to be looking at, and that's why Pastor has asked us to put this, uh, the, the teaching that we've been doing uh, all over the world to encourage you and, and to bring us into a place where we're looking at and expecting God to open doors for us to reach people that are not saved. You thank God for people that turn up in church on Sunday and God's happy with that. You know, I'm sure the angels are excited, but what really makes heaven rejoice is when somebody gets saved. So we want to be able to, to be a, a place where heaven is going to shout and rejoice. But here's an interest. This was such an important uh, subject that Jesus was sharing here. He's not finished. He goes on and tells another story in verses 8 to 10. He says, Of what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbours together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which, is, which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, now here's the thing. Here it is, ten silver coins. This is Jesus' example. And she loses one. Now, you know... We could have said to her, well, don't worry about it. You've still got nine. You know, and if we're not, you know, sometimes we think, well, we didn't get everybody, but we've still got nine. But Jesus is pointing out here 
that, that the father is not satisfied that we've got nine. Now, there's still one missing. And so we see here, and this example of this woman, she gets a lamp. She sweeps her house because she's got to find this one, and she won't be satisfied until she's found this one coin. Now, what I see here, Jesus is bringing out the passion that we need to have with people in our world who are not saved. We need to be, we're committed. We will not be satisfied. Yeah, we can come to church and we, we celebrate, we worship God together with other believers, but we've got people in our world that are not saved and we're not satisfied until we get that person into the kingdom of God. And so we're going to be looking at some stuff. I'm just building some things up in this course because we've got to find what is our motivation. You know, we can become very comfortable if we're not careful. Well, I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. You know, I've got a busy life and you know, I've got family and I've got business. I've got financial needs. But folks, what we need to do is that we need to have a passion just like God. We're not willing that people in our world, our family, our workmates, our neighbours, we're just not satisfied that they'll go to a Christless eternity. So we're going to continue to press in, just like this woman, do everything we can to win that person that's in your world. We're going to look at all that in just a moment, but that person that is in your world. And then when they, they come into the kingdom of God, you know, I'm looking forward to days when church is full of celebrations of people that we bring to church on Sunday and we bring them down the front and we say, I've got a testimony. Here's my friend got saved this week. And we throw a party and people get excited. Why? Because we did everything we could. And, and, and you know, sometimes we'll have testimonies, well, someone got saved immediately. Some people, you know, took a little bit longer. But we're going to be just like this woman. We're going to be doing whatever it takes. We're going to reach out to people in our world. Well, you, you might think Jesus is finished with this story, but no, he's not. He actually still goes on. Uh, this, he goes on now to tell another story in, in Luke chapter 15 and verses 11 to 24. And uh, this is a powerful story, uh, this, um, this next one that Jesus is about to bring out, because this is the story of a son, and I'll just give you a background. There's quite a bit to read, so I won't read it, but I'll encourage you to read it later on. Luke chapter 15 from verse 11 uh, down to verse 32. And this is the prodigal son. And some of you may be familiar with this story, but let me just give you an overview of the story. Uh, this this, this uh, son said to his father one day, yeah, I want my inheritance now. I, I don't want to wait till you die. I want it now. And so his father gave him his inheritance. He had two sons and this son wanted his inheritance. And then he went off, and the Bible tells us he went off to a far country. And in the far country, away from his father, he had what we would call a riotous living. In other words, he let his hair down, as it were, and he did everything he shouldn't do until he lost all his inheritance. He had nothing left. And then he was so desperate, he ended up, working for a pig farmer. And all he had to eat were the, the, the husks that were left over that the pigs didn't eat. And so one day he's thinking, my father, who has a, a, a big house and a, 
uh, a mansion and has servants and, my, and the servants in my father's house are better than I am. And so he decides, well, I'll go home and I'll ask my father, can I just become a servant in your home? And so he's heading home. And, uh, and as he's heading home, we find something really interesting. And this, is, this portrays God. This father was out and he was looking for his son, even though the son had gone away and the son had gone away and, and had riotous living. The father was looking for him. He, was exp- he wanted to see his son. He was believing for him to come on home. And this really is a picture of God. God is looking and he's wanting to draw people into his kingdom. He's wanting to draw the lost into, into his, his family. And so here it is. And then the father sees this uh, son afar off. And what does the father do? He runs towards him and he throws his arms around him and gives him a hug. And the son says to him, Father, I have sinned before you and before heaven and and I'm sorry, would you please just let me come and be a servant? You know, sometimes, you know, we think, oh God, you know, Lord, I just can be a servant in your house. No, God's not looking for servants, he's looking for sons. And we find out, and, and again, this is, a, this is a, an incredible picture of how God is looking for the lost. Those whom have gone astray, and, and we've all gone astray until we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And, and we found out that God loves the sinner, the worst sinner. He loves that person as much as he loves Jesus. And, and you might have some people in your world that you think are real bad sinners. I mean, they're just doing everything bad and wrong and abysmally and beyond your belief. Well, God loves them as much as he loves Jesus. You know, we've got to see people through the eyes of Jesus. And God has seen the treasure that is in that person and he's drawing him into the kingdom. And so here it is. The father, in verse 22, I love this, but the father said to to his servants, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I love this verse because it's a picture of what God does when you get saved. You come into the kingdom of God. The first thing God does is he puts a robe of righteousness on you. You are no longer a sinner saved by grace. You're now made the righteousness of God in him. He puts a robe of righteousness on you. Then you're given a ring. Well, what does a ring do? It stands for authority. You're now a child of God and you have authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth and he's given you earth's portion of authority. You have authority in the name of Jesus. And then this man, the father, gave him sandals to put on his feet. Well, folks, you've got sandals on your feet. You're no longer walking as the world walks. You're now walking on the devil and you're just stomping on his head. I mean, he's just um, a liar and a deceiver. And now you can walk over all the works of the enemy. You've got the robe of righteousness, the ring of authority. And so this is what, you know, Jesus is bringing out in this this, uh, story here, that this is how God sees you. Oh, I tell you. And then... We see here that then, then the father says, bring out the fatted calf and kill it and let's eat and make merry. What are we doing? We're celebrating the return of a child that was lost. And this is what God does. This is what heaven does.
You know, and, and as, as a church, I'm looking forward to the day that we get more excited about someone getting saved than anything else that happens in the church. It doesn't mean we can't get excited and celebrate some things, but we shout louder, we shout longer, we're more enthusiastic over people getting saved. Because that's, let me tell you something, folks. We're going to start seeing people getting saved in their hundreds, their thousands, their hundreds of thousands, their millions. We're about to see a tidal wave of people coming into the kingdom of God. And again, how's this going to happen? Because you as a believer, you're going to have God's passion and motivation that you're not willing that anybody in your world go to a Christless eternity. So, this, so the father here in this verse says, let's kill the fatted calf for my son which is dead is alive again and he which was lost is found and they began to be merry. But then this story takes on a, a, a different uh, a, a, a atmosphere right now because we have a problem and that is the other brother. The other brother hears all this merriment and all this carry on and, 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 and says, what's going on? Says, your brother which was lost has now been found. And we're throwing him a party. And you know what? The older brother got mad. And he said, well, what about me? You know, we've got to be careful that we're not looking, what about me? Suddenly a sinner gets saved and, and suddenly the whole life is transformed. And you could think, well, what about me? I mean, I've been a Christian all my life. You know, what about what do I get out of this? And here's what happened to this, this brother. Now, thank goodness the father saw the son coming before the brother did. The brother may have turned him away. Now, folks, we have to be careful that the way that we live our lives, the way we reach out to others, that we don't turn people away from the Lord Jesus Christ that we have the heart of the Father, that we want to draw people in and we want to celebrate with them and their salvation and the victory that they will have in Christ. And the Father says to this other son, but everything I have is already yours. You could have had a party any time. So I want us to see here today, and uh, we're, going to, we're looking at this next week because next week, uh, we're going to be looking at, at how, how do we reach the lost? How are we going to get somebody saved? And so we, we have to have an attitude here that just like God, we love people and we will do whatever it takes to reach that person in our world. And we will not be offended. We'll not be like this other brother who says, well, how come he can be such a big sinner, come into the kingdom of God, God forgives him and now God blesses him? No, we want to rejoice you know, I've always had this attitude, and I think I heard this taught many years ago. If I see somebody in the body of Christ really blessed, I get excited for them and say, it's okay, I'm in the same line as they are. If God's going to bless them, then I'm a child of God, and he will bless me also. I will not miss out. So here we see, you know, Paul uh, portrays God's heart in the second letter of Corinthians. And uh, let's just turn there into 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and uh, verses 18 to 20. And I'm, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified uh, Version because here Paul is, is bringing out God's heart. 
And, and so this really gives us a great deal of insight towards God's heart and, if I could put it this way, his desperation, God's desperation that he's not willing that any perish and fall short of the glory of God. Let's read this out of the Amplified, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. It says, But all things are from God, who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself, received us into favour, brought us into harmony with him, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favour with him, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but cancelling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration of favour. So we as Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal as it were through us, we as Christ's personal representative beg you for his sake to lay hold of the divine favour now offered you and be reconciled to God. So here it is. God is saying today, I am raising up the believers. I'm raising up my church. And their mission is to go out and to share the gospel with people in their world. And to, to, to make an appeal, God is saying, I'm begging you, if we could just use that term, I'm imploring you, please go out and share the gospel, reconciling the world to me and, and, and let the world know I'm not imputing their sin or their trespasses against them. You know, it's so important. You know, sometimes people say, well, the, the reason, uh, you know, God doesn't like people is because of their sin, well, the reason I go to hell is because sin. Sin is not sending people to hell. Folks, what is sending people to hell is not believing in Jesus. And so we're not condemning people. God is not condemning people for their sin. No, he's already laid the sin of all mankind on Jesus. Jesus bore our sins and our iniquities. And so we see here that God is saying, what I want you to do is go out and, and, and let people know that I've cancelled their sin. I, uh, my son Jesus has already paid the price for that. I'm imploring you to, to come into my kingdom and to be reconciled with me. And so God uses mankind. He uses you as a believer to make uh, God's appeal to people in your world. You see, uh, angels aren't going to do it. Jesus isn't going to come down and do it. No, he uses man. You know, I was um, in a church one day and I was in a prayer meeting and, and I think it was the pastor who prayed, Lord, we just released your angels to go out and bring people into church. Well, I didn't correct him, but angels don't bring people to church. Angels don't preach the gospel. Don't, angels do not bring people into the kingdom of God. That is the responsibility of the believer. That is the responsibility God has given us. And so I want to encourage you today that you have God's passion for people. He's not willing that any should perish. And, and we see that in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And this, is, this again, Peter is bringing this out, the heart of the Father. It says, The Lord is not slack 
concerning his promise of some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, listen, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want you to see, uh, as we uh, look at this lesson, God's not willing that anybody perish. And yet, if we're not careful, we could be, and, and I, I don't believe this is talking about you tonight, but if we're not careful, there are people who are saved who don't seem to care about people that are perishing and going to a crisis return. Now, this is, this is not you that are listening to this. No, you have a passion for the lost. So we want to be able to stir the body of Christ up in a fresh way to be passionate about souls that need to come into the kingdom of God. See, here it is. For God to have a, a revival and an outpouring and a move of God, it can only come by you doing your part. Now, God's already done his part. Jesus has already done his part. Now, it's up to you and I to do our part. And we'll see in a, in a later lesson how God has already put in place and put within you uh, his Holy Spirit to empower you, which is one of the things that we'll be looking at, empowered you to fulfill the ministry and the call of God that's upon your life. So what we want to do is that we want to align our will with the will and the passion of the Father. We need to say with people in our world, I'm not willing that you perish and go to a Christless eternity. And I'm determined with the people in my world to do everything I can to put uh, God in their pathway and give them the opportunity to receive Jesus as Lord. See, people won't get saved, and we'll see this in the next lesson, until they hear the gospel. In our next lesson, we're going to be looking at what is the gospel? What do people need to hear to get saved? But I can tell you this tonight, that unless they hear about Jesus, they'll never get saved. So we have to do everything we can to put in their way the word of God, the opportunity to get saved, and make it hard for them to go to hell. Oh, I like that saying. Let's make it hard for people to go to hell, to a Christless eternity, because we are not satisfied and I know this church uh, is not satisfied that there are people in this community that have never heard the gospel or if they have, they've rejected it. And, this, and we're going to look at all that in, the, in, in coming lessons. But we want to be able to reach out to people in our world, in our community. So now, if you were uh, here with us, uh, then I would, at this point in our lesson, I would say, now I'm going to give you an assignment and we would all do this now. But I'm not here, so here's the assignment that I want you all to do that are listening to this. I want you to, when this lesson finishes, I want you to get out a notepad and a pen and I want you to write down a list of everyone in your world that you know that is not saved. So we're going to ask you to put a list together. 
You know, and maybe it's people you know on Facebook. Maybe it's people you went to school with. Maybe it's family members or, or work colleagues. But ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance people that are in your world. Now, the reason we're going to get you to make a list is so that you've got something to focus on, something that you're going to pray about, something that's going to say, now, Lord, which one of these people is the first person that I'm going to approach? And show me how to do that. And we're going to teach you a little bit more of that in the next lesson. And, and so I want you to do this. Now, this is really an interesting exercise. And I've done this all over the world. And one of the things that I found out in doing this in a church setting, and if, if, if everyone was here tonight and we were doing this, that there are some people that have got an incredible list of people they know. I was in, in China where I was doing this and... Um, and people were writing it down, and the fellow came up to me very excited. He said, I started to write it down. I realized I had 1,200 people on my phone list on my phone. He said, I already have 1,200 people that I know that are not saved. I was uh, in Sri Lanka, and uh, my interpreter, uh, and we did this, and because he was interpreter, he couldn't do it. The next day, he came in very excited, and he had a notebook, and he had three pages of people that he knew that weren't saved. And, and, and I've seen this in churches. Some people will write a small list, but some people write a whole page. And, and you know, I've said to, to pastors, I've said, you know, there's a whole harvest, fit, uh, harvest of souls already in this church. One of our problems is that we've done nothing on how to reach those people. We've been happy with the nine silver coins we already have. But what we want to do is that we want to focus on those people that are on our list. And uh, next week I'll give you some testimonies of how people uh, had people on their heart and how they reached out to those people and got them saved. And folks, that's exactly what we're going to do. So I, I want you to, to take some time to do this. You know, just grab a pen, grab a, 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 some paper and write out a list. Now, some of you might just have a few people. Some of you might have a lot. But, folks, what we're doing is that we're starting to say to God, Lord, I'm starting to focus on what's your passion and what's on your heart. And then we're going to be looking at next week, Lord, now show me how to reach those people. Open a door and we're going to talk about uh, God opening doors for you to share the gospel with people on your list. But we're going to get purposeful, I think that's a word, we're going to get purposeful on how we're going to reach the lost and have so many celebration parties of people coming into the kingdom of God and making heaven a noisy place that people will just even come into the doors of the church. We heard you're all shouting. What are you all shouting about? Oh, this person wants to get saved. Would you like to join them and you get saved too? Come on, folks, we're going to see a, a tsunami of people coming into the kingdom of God. So next week, uh, this is the end of today's lesson. So next week, lesson number three is going to be entitled The Gospel Defined. And uh, we're going to find out here uh, on how do I get people saved. You know, and we're going to find out just telling people God loves you is not going to get the job done. And we're going to show you how to get people saved in your world. So get your list ready. Start praying for them. And get ready, God's going to use you to reach people in your world. God bless you and thank you very much.